It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's time for the KVMR Evening News. Today is Friday, April 23rd, 2021. My name is Claudio Mendoza. Joyce Miller returns on Monday. Yesterday, both the UC and the CSU systems announced that they will require that their students and employees be immunized against COVID-19 before returning to campus this fall. More on this coming up in tonight's California report. And the California News Service highlights one positive outcome of the pandemic. Thousands of Californians have started riding bicycles. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. Leaders of the University of California and the California State University Systems announced yesterday that their students and employees will need proof of vaccination against COVID-19 to return to campus this fall. From KPCC, Adolfo Guzman Lopez reports. UC and Cal State put a big condition on that requirement. Vaccines will be required only if the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approves at least one vaccine, and vaccines must be adequately available. None of the three current vaccines have FDA approval, and there's no set date for that to happen. The policy would affect over a million UC and Cal State students and employees at 33 campus locations. The announcement makes these the largest educational institutions in the nation to require vaccinations for a return to instruction. For the California Report, I'm Adolfo Guzman Lopez in Los Angeles. A USC infectious disease specialist tells KPCC full approval of vaccines isn't likely for at least another year and a half. Meanwhile, officials at Stanford University say they'll also require students who come back to campus this fall to be fully vaccinated. In an email, the university's provost says students will be able to request exceptions to the requirement for medical or religious reasons as long as they're tested regularly. Stanford officials haven't said whether the same requirement would be made for faculty and staff. The university says that if students are having trouble getting vaccinated at home, officials will work to help get them vaccinated near campus upon their return. Staying on the vaccine story, for the first time in weeks, California has actually seen a slight dip in the number of people getting vaccinated. According to data compiled by the San Jose Mercury News, the number of daily doses administered in the state dropped by about 8% last week to 360,000. That's down from mid-April when the seven-day average peaked at about 391,000 daily shots. Counties across the state have reported a large number of appointments open at their vaccination sites this week. A little more than a third of Californians are fully vaccinated. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone, everywhere. And California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care, on the web at chcf.org voices. This week's conviction in the trial of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd has one Californian questioning why such a volume of video evidence was so necessary in the case at all. USC journalism professor Alyssa Richardson joins me now. Thank you for having me. 
Well, thank you for being here. Video evidence has been hailed as one of the keys to securing Derek Chauvin's conviction. What is your take on the sheer volume of evidence it took to secure accountability in this case? I think that is one of the most disturbing features of this case is that um, while we have what legal analysts have called the star witness of the case in the form of this video, the fact that we needed it in the first place is, I think, something that we should be investigating. Maybe the questions we should be asking now, in addition to where do we go from here, are why we needed um, African-Americans to pre-litigate their cases of police brutality in the first place. And it's really this longstanding belief in inherent criminality, the stereotype uh, within African Americans that has made most people say, show me the proof, you know, show me that you did not deserve uh, your own demise. And it's really caused this volatile um, and what I uh, wrote diabolical cycle of witnessing where we're requiring the family to produce proof that there was some kind of wrongdoing. We're then requiring them to pass it over to the court of public opinion for journalists and scholars like me to pick it over and analyze it. And so while I'm not at all saying that we should do away with them, especially in the uh, official legal system and context, I am saying that we should limit the circulation amongst us, amongst regular people. And I think that would reduce a great deal of trauma, not just for the family members, but for ordinary viewers. This is such an important point. Um, I want to ask you a question about Well, from one journalist to another, I think back to when I started my career, the war in Iraq had just begun. And we, you know, were basically told, I worked at a local TV station here in California, you know, you can't put certain images on television. And I do think there's an argument to be made that by sanitizing the visuals that people see, that they don't fully understand what's really happening. I do think that to some extent, the, you know, the the awful imagery that we have confronted in these videos and photographs as well, for a certain segment among us that didn't understand what daily life is like for people in the black community. I think that that really helped turn the tide to some extent. And that's perhaps why we saw white people in the streets alongside people of color last year. Is there any merit to that argument? in your view? For sure. I think people's eyes needed to be open last summer. And I think that's why you rightfully point out that there was a multi-ethnic coalition that was outdoors, you know, endangering their own lives amid a, a global pandemic to really speak out for this. But I think this is a real turning point in how we view police brutality cases and why I say we don't really need any more visual proof. If anyone needs any additional video beyond this summer to prove that they should be behind the cause of finding alternative ways to take care of communities, then I think that that is, you know, a real thing that they need to to think hard on is why that this community, why African-Americans are the only ones who are required to produce this kind of video to elicit sympathy. And, And so I think that that is what I'm calling for here is that journalists consider Black victims to have the same humanity as white victims. Well, we so appreciate you lending your perspective to us on this very important issue. Alyssa Richardson is a journalism professor at USC. Thanks again. Thank you. And that is the California Report for this Friday, April 23rd. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. 
Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. In the 1970s, spurred by growing concern about the environment, the United States experienced a bike boom. Sales shot up 255% in the first three years of the decade. Now, thanks to COVID, bikes are back. In the pandemic, thousands of Californians have started riding bikes, many for the first time, as a way to avoid crowded public transportation, break out of their isolation during lockdown, and help clean up the air. Nesreen Mazoub with the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition says COVID-19 prompted a huge surge in demand to learn how to ride. So we actually have free education classes that are multilingual and for all ages and skill levels. You know, in the first few months of the pandemic, we actually saw a 284% increase in class participants. She adds cycling classes can help new immigrants get to know the streets, as well as friends who can help them integrate into the community. Ron Durgin, who runs the L.A.-based organization Sustainable Streets, says he's on a mission to make the city more livable. I think it just makes it a nicer place to live for everybody. we got way too much car traffic as it is. It's better for the environment, better for personal health, it's a little quieter. I think it's probably the easiest way to navigate the city. Durgin advises new cyclists to start small and work their way up. And maybe you're not in shape. I think that's a mistake people make is they bite off too much in the beginning and then they get discouraged. So I think it's important to kind of build up tolerance for riding in traffic, build up your physical conditioning for riding longer distances. Hamali Vias turned to sustainable streets to learn to ride to and from her job at Jet Propulsion Laboratories in La Cañada, Flintridge, and says she wants to make a difference in the fight against pollution and climate change. There's a need of awareness at an individual level of how can we be the solution providers at our own level, and so that was my motivation. Bicycle education groups are also working to make sure bike lanes, bike parking areas, and open space are distributed equitably across cities so all neighborhoods have access to the infrastructure that makes riders feel comfortable and safe. This story was based on original reporting from Mariana Denon for Yes Media. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Governor Gavin Newsom directed state agencies today to ban fracking by 2024 and to develop plans to phase out all oil extraction in the state by 2045. This from the Sacramento Bee. Quote, The climate crisis is real, and we continue to see signs every day, the governor said, as we move to swiftly decarbonize our transportation sector and create a healthier future for our children, I've made it clear I don't see a role for fracking in that future, and similarly believe that California needs to move beyond oil. End quote. Newsom is requiring the state's Department of Conservation's Geologic Energy Management Division to start the regulatory process to stop issuing permits for new hydraulic fracturing projects. Newsom had previously said he doesn't have the authority to ban fracking through executive action and asked the legislature to send him a bill to outlaw the practice. Nevada County Public Health is reporting seven new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. 88 cases remain active out of 4,512 since the start of the pandemic. Three people are hospitalized and one in ICU. 
This comes as the United States Food and Drug Administration and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced that the recommended pause regarding the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine in the U.S. should be lifted and use of the vaccine should resume. The pause was recommended on April 13th after reports of a rare and severe type of blood clot in six individuals following administration of the single-shot vaccine. Today, the agencies confirmed that a total of 15 cases have been reported, including the original six. All of these cases occurred in women between the ages of 18 and 59, with reports of symptom onset between 6 and 15 days after vaccination. At this time, the available data suggests that the chance of the rare type of blood clot occurring is very low, but the FDA and the CDC say they will remain vigilant in continuing to investigate the risk. The Nevada Irrigation District Board of Directors said today that they will be considering an employment agreement for a new general manager at its upcoming meeting on April 28th. If approved, Jennifer Hansen, who currently serves as the city manager for the city of Lincoln, would be the first woman to lead the organization in its 100-year history. And now for weather. Light showers are expected in Grass Valley and Nevada City tonight and tomorrow, according to the National Weather Service. Tonight, there will be increasing clouds with a low around 44. Saturday will be mostly cloudy with a high near 58. More showers are likely on Saturday night, mainly after 11 p.m., then cloudy with a low around 39. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming clear with a low around 34. On Saturday, a slight chance of rain and snow after 4 p.m., then mostly sunny with a high near 46. And in Sacramento and the Valley, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 51. Tomorrow will be increasingly cloudy with a high near 69. Next, Felton Pruitt talks with local musician Juliette Gobert about being a performing musician shut down during the pandemic and what it's like getting back to playing for audiences again. We're talking with Juliette Gobert, who is one of our local favorite musicians in the Nevada County area. And uh, most recently, a lot of you have been seeing her play with Bob Woods. She's also a member of the Heifer Bells. And Juliet, we just thought we'd check in and see how things have been going during this pandemic that all the musicians have been going through this past year and now going into a second year. Well, I really appreciate you checking in with me. It makes me feel wanted and cared for. <laughs> I have to say that I haven't seen much live music in the last year. I mean, I only go to outdoor things. You and Bob Woods have been playing at outdoor venues that are nicely spaced with lots of fresh air, and so it's, I felt pretty safe going to see you sing. How do you feel about playing during the pandemic? Well, you know, there wasn't really much of a choice. And I wanted to also follow guidelines, you know, and not go out, sneak out when it wasn't safe to to sneak out. So now that everything's opened up a little bit, I'm happy to go out and play. I love playing with Bob and um, I love playing with the Hefferbells. Whoever asks me to play, I'm I'm down for it. I just, I love to get out there and and uh, play. So there you have it. So if the Doobie Brothers are looking for a harmony vocalist, you're there, right? I'm there. Let me ask you, have you been vaccinated? I have had one vaccination and I'm due for the next, the beginning of May. So is that going to make you feel more comfortable come summertime about going out and performing in public? 
Absolutely. I still, you know, wear a mask during setup and um, during breaks and stuff and just try to be aware of folks that may have not been vaccinated. And if I'm exposed to anything, I certainly don't want to pass it on to anybody else. Things kind of shut down like about a year ago in March of 2020. What did you think music was going to be like for you at that point? Did you think it was just done for a while or did you think maybe a few gigs here, a few gigs there? Mm -hmm. No, I figured, you know, I mean, listening to the news, it sounded like the pandemic was everywhere and it was getting worse. So I figured we'd be in lockdown or as far as playing music, being in lockdown for a while. The Hefferbells had some festivals that we were lined up to do canceled. And so I just figured, you know, it's time to just play at home and see if I could write, do some writing. And I, I think for me, it was it was pretty okay because I could still play in my living room if I wanted to. Well, now we're looking back on a whole year. Did you learn about uh, new instruments to play or new ways to write or just improve your skills? Well, I was actually suffering from a huge dry spell as far as writing goes. I couldn't think of anything to write. So I had hoped that, you know, no gigs meant I would be concentrating on writing. Nothing came out, um, so that was kind of a boo-hoo. But I did start playing my cello again, and I have a mandolin and I have a banjo, so I started goofing around with those as well. So it was fun. I mean, I I never stopped having fun with music because, you know, you can sit and get lost for three or four hours at a time just goofing around by yourself. How did music get into your life in the first place? Well, my parents, you know, always had music going. It's the radio or the or the record players going. My grandparents, my, my mom's dad played um, mandolin and piano. My mom played piano a little bit when we were little, not too much, but we had a piano around. So there was always recorded music or live music going on. What were your musical influences, say, on the radio? Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I would have to say whatever was playing on AM radio when I was a kid, I didn't really pay too much attention to specifics you know it was just kind of like that soundtrack going all the time i was either had a transistor radio going so i could you know jump on my bike and drive around and i had my little transistor radio or there's music whatever my parents were listening to whatever my older brother was listening to which was you know led zeppelin and all that kind of stuff he was he was the oldest so we all kind of had to listen to what he wanted to listen to we're talking with Juliette Gobert, one of our favorite local musicians here in Nevada County, who's a member of the Heifer Bells, and she plays with Bob Woods quite a bit nowadays. Juliette, talk about what's going on as far as the summer now. Do the Heifer Bells, did they get their festivals back, or what's going on? Yeah, we're, we're lined up for um, the fair. I got a call that we're back on this year for the fair, if they have it, which I'm assuming they are because they called and said for us to pencil it in. That would be the Nevada County Fair in Grass Valley. Nevada County Fair, yeah. yeah. And then um, we have the Homegrown Festival up in Quincy. That one we got recalled for, so hopefully that is going to happen. There was a festival in Utah that we were hired for, Marty Robbins' tribute, to be exact. And um, we just got rehired for that, so that's back on. So it looks like you know the things that we lost, we're on for again. 
Now, lately, you've put together a really nice duo with Bob Woods. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, Bob plays acoustic guitar, electric guitar, and pedal steel. You play acoustic guitar and cello and anything else you're throwing in there? Well, I probably will we'll probably incorporate a little banjo, just because we know everybody loves banjo so much. And you're covering uh, Bob Woods songs and Juliet Gobert originals. Yeah, we're just about 50-50 on that. You know, I played with Bob in Swamp Billy for a few years there, so I think it's just we enjoyed playing with each other. And and once the COVID started to lighten up, so most places didn't really want to have a band or a lot of people on stage. So it just turned out that the two of us knew enough songs to take a couple of gigs here and there. Well, here we are rolling into the summer of 2021. Has the songwriting come back to you? Has the flow started again? Yes, it has. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'm a person who needs to be happy to write. You know, I need to be out in the world in order for ideas to, to filter down. So, yes, I have uh, started writing again. It's nice. How can people find out about gigs with Juliet Gobert, Bob Woods and Juliet Gobert, or the Hefferbells? Well, let's see. The Hefferbells have a Reverb Nation page that once we start getting gigs, I'm glad you're asking me this because it'll remind me to get on and start putting our gigs on there. Outside of that, I don't have a web page, and I'm not sure if Bob does, but I know he has a mailing list. Well, thanks so much for talking with us, and we wish you the best in the summer of 2021. Thanks so much, Felton. It's nice that you checked on me. Juliette Gobert here on KVMR. That's tonight's newscast. KVMR is supported by A to Z Hardware Supply and Garden Center, locally owned since 1984, offering household construction essentials, plus April's Garden, a memorial lawn and garden nursery for all seasons with beekeeping and canning supplies. On Ridge Road in Grass Valley, A to Z Supply.com. And Zelmer Law Group a real estate and business law firm with offices in Nevada City and Santa Rosa. Jay Zelmer has been practicing law in California since 1983. More information online at zelmerlawgroup.com. Stay with us. The California Report is next, followed by Democracy Now! at 7 p.m. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful weekend.